listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the Wednesday, March 8th, 2023 recording of the Loveland Reporter Herald. My name is Janet Beatty. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Loveland City Council gives preliminary nod to new ward map by Jocelyn Rowley. Larimer County approves $3 million to provide more election processing space by Will Costello. Seven artists selected for Loveland Art in Public Places TAAP 2D project by Austin Fleskis. Banner Health's Skyline Surgery Center in Loveland to close by Dallas Hetzel and following up with miscellaneous articles. Loveland City Council gives preliminary nod to new ward map by Jocelyn Rowley of Prairie Mountain Media and the Loveland Reporter Herald. It's not quite official yet, but the City of Loveland's election wards are changing shape. On Tuesday, Loveland City Council made its final selection from six options for new maps in preparation for a formal vote on March 14th. Emerging from the pack was the so-called Option 3, which is described by City Clerk DeLynn Coldiron as the least disruptive. Among the six options considered, this map moves the fewest residents into a new ward and keeps the boundaries contiguous. Led by Coldiron and City GIS Manager Brent Spiegel, the city started its latest redistricting effort late last year, prompted by population growth and updates to Larimer County's election precincts. In order to coordinate elections with the county, Loveland's ward boundaries must be in alignment. Over the months, Coldiron and her team drafted a total of five maps for consideration, and a sixth was submitted by a Loveland resident for consideration. Like all of the scenarios, option three corrects the imbalance between ward populations, which is currently at 8.5%. When complete, the difference between the largest and smallest wards will be around 2%. This option also keeps the old Hewlett-Packard neighborhoods near Taft Avenue and 14th Street Southwest in the same ward, an important consideration for councillors John Fogel and Steve Olson. Though the least disruptive, the new map selected by Council will move 13,145 residents into a new ward for a disruption rate of 16%. Most of them will be from wards 1 and 4, which will be losing close to 9,000 current residents. At the same time, around 4,400 residents will be moved into those wards. By comparison, Option 4, which was championed by Mayor Jackie Marsh, had a 27% disruption rate, with more than 22,000 residents impacted. According to Cold Iron, Option 3 will also work for the city when future development is accounted for. With most growth expected in the north and east sectors of Loveland, this option leaves room for more residents in wards 1 and 4 without creating future imbalance and triggering another redistricting effort. Council will take its first formal vote on the new ward configurations next week, and the final vote on April 4th. Cold Iron said that impacted residents will be mailed a notice with their new ward information, 
And there will also be information about the change on the city's Let's Talk Loveland website and social media. For more information on the City of Loveland's ward boundaries, visit www.letstalkloveland.org slash redistricting. Larimer County approves $3 million to provide more election processing space. Clerk says space needed to count ballots efficiently. By Will Costello of Prairie Mountain Media and the Reporter Herald. Larimer County agreed Tuesday morning to a proposal to lease additional space to be used by the county clerk in future elections, a necessity to comply with statutory time limits required to finish counting ballots, according to County Clerk Angela Myers. Myers, who presented the topic to the Larimer Board of County Commissioners late last month, said at the time that the current facilities the county is using to count ballots, store equipment, and otherwise oversee elections in the area are no longer sufficient. You all have been there at one time or another to see our operations, but you've not seen it recently, Myers told the board at that time. It's getting a little crowded out there. We've been in that space since 2012, and there was no room for expansion in that space. Commissioners approved a measure that would provide $3 million to lease additional space to the county clerk's office at their weekly administrative matters meeting Tuesday. The additional funds will come from optimizations within the county's budget, according to Larimer County Facilities Director Ken Cooper, who presented to the board Tuesday morning. One thing I know about this Board of County Commissioners is that we're not going to let our county have a failed election, County Commissioner Kristen Stevens said Tuesday. This is clearly important work. We want to get this right. We want people to have faith in the election system, that it's run well. And it is, but it could be run better and more efficiently if we have the space to do what we need to do. Part of the increased needs for space, equipment, and employees to process elections stem from population growth, increased voter participation in recent elections, increased expectations for election security from both sides of the political aisle, and expanded ballots that might include more voter information and therefore occupy extra pages, Myers said during the work session that explained the issue in further detail. The county clerk's office can process roughly 20,000 ballots per day, she added, and the number of incoming ballots is consistently growing. We have never not received at least 20,000 ballots on Election Day, but this last election we received closer to 65,000 ballots on Election Day, a record for us, since mail-in balloting and our belief that we could only do 20,000 was completely proven out in that it took us that amount of time to get those ballots processed, Myers said. So that is a true throughput capability. Seven artists selected for Loveland Art in Public Places TAAP 2D Project by Austin Fleskus of Prairie Mountain Media. Loveland's Art in Public Places team has selected seven pieces of art from seven artists for the Art Advocacy Project, commonly known as TAAP2D. The Art Advocacy Project, according to the city's website, is a one-year on-loan program designed to promote regional artists through the public display of their artworks 
as well as provide a means for artwork sales. The call, which was put out last fall, was open to all Colorado artists of two-dimensional media and closed in early January. TAAP2D is a great way for artists who may never have shown their work in public before, said Suzanne Jansen, public arts manager. It provides an excellent opportunity for their work to be seen. The seven pieces, which range from environmental photographs of the sun peeking out between rock formations to painted and glazed ceramics depicting three children standing shoulder to shoulder, will hang in the Loveland Public Library's Central Galleria through February 2024. The selected works include Snowbirds by Sharon Schuster Anhorn, Winter Mountains by Gloria Campbell, Peking Opera May Lenfang Porter by Stephanie Coffin, G by Stephen Caulfield, Ribbons and Lace by Melinda Laz, Ceiling of La Sagrada Familia by James Linksweiler, Sunrise Mesa Arch by Gordon Middleton. We are so pleased with the artists who are selected this year, Jansen said adding that the selection team received nearly 120 applications for this year's project. Schuster Anhorn said that she created her piece because her niece was getting married, referring to the couple as snowbirds because they lived in a more rural area that was harder to get to in the wintertime because of the snow. Her piece is comprised of embossed aluminum and copper, as well as etched glass with just minimal paint. She said she had been featured in TAAP before, but was happy to be recognized again. I am so honored, she said. I heard how many people had entered, and I am very honored to have been a part of it. Because this is the 10th anniversary of the TAAP 2D, the city also teamed up with the Loveland Poet Laureate Program and will have local poets write and display poems inspired by the seven works of art on display. The artwork and their complimentary poems will also be celebrated during a reception at the library, 300 North Adams Avenue, April 15th from noon to 2 p.m., with an artist talk and poetry readings from 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Banner Health's Skyline Surgery Center in Loveland to Close by Dallas Heltzel the Banner Surgery Center's Skyline location in Loveland will close effective March 31st, Banner Health and the Atlas Healthcare Partners Management Company announced Tuesday. The decision to close the surgery center, housed at Suite 200 in its Skyline Center for Health, 2555 East 13th Street, was made to better align outpatient surgery services for physicians and patients in Loveland and Larimer and Weld counties, according to a statement issued by Banner and Atlas. Currently, there is duplication of services between the outpatient location at Skyline and at Loveland Surgery Center less than four miles away at 3800 North Grant Avenue. There will be no disruption in surgery services for our physicians or their patients, as we have capacity at both of the other Banner surgery facilities in the area, the statement said. This decision allows Banner to better serve the community by more effectively utilizing other surgery centers and allows for the exploration of expansion into other parts of Larimer and Weld counties. 
the other facility expected to pick up patients from Skyline and provide block time for its physicians is Banner's Surgery Center at 5890 West 13th Street, Suite 102 in Greeley, said Dylan McCarran, Vice President for Marketing and Communication at Phoenix-based Atlas. Atlas and Banner have partnered since 2018 to manage the center, she said. Team members at Skyline were informed of the impending closure last Wednesday, McCarran said. We are working very closely with our team members to find space for them where we have it, McCarran told Biz West, and we are also partnering with Banner to ensure that team members are aware of opportunities with the health system in northern Colorado. Slightly more than six years ago, Banner Health completed a $9.4 million expansion at its Skyline Medical Center. The 31,578-square-foot, two-story addition, which increased Skyline's size by about 40%, housed the Banner Health Clinic specializing in orthopedics and orthopedic surgery, which moved there from the Banner Health Center at 1230 14th Street Southwest. Banner had announced last week that two primary care medical offices with Banner Medical Group would trade locations in Loveland. Banner Health Clinic, specializing in family medicine, which was located at 2701 Madison Square Drive, moved operations on February 27th to 2923 Ganala Drive, just off 29th Street, across from a U.S. post office. Physicians and physician assistants involved in that move include Dr. Zachary Flake, Lori Holos, Edwin Reisenhofer, David Snodgrass, and Stephanie Sayers, and physician assistants Lori Jansen and Angela McNair. Banner Medical Group plans to add physicians to this location to meet a growing demand in the community and approve access for patient appointments, a Banner statement said. Meanwhile, Banner Health Clinic, specializing in internal medicine, relocated from Ganella Drive to Madison Square Drive. The phone number, 970-820-6660, remains the same. The healthcare providers moving included Drs. Stephen Sunderman, Stuart Nurzig, and Shauna Grady, as well as family nurse practitioner Jessica Nedham. No action is required from patients as part of this move. Medical records will move with their health care provider. Loveland weather for Wednesday, mostly cloudy and 36, by reporter Harold Staff. Wednesday, today, is expected to be cloudy, with a high near 36 and wind gusts up to 16 miles per hour, according to the National Weather Service. There's a slight chance of freezing drizzle after 5 p.m., the overnight low will be near 24, with patchy freezing drizzle before 11 p.m., then a 30% chance of snow. Little or no snow accumulation is expected. Winds could gust as high as 16 miles per hour. Thursday is expected to be sunny and windy, with a high of 48. Wind gusts could reach 45 miles per hour. The overnight low will be near 23, with wind gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. Friday is expected to be partly sunny, with a high near 54 and wind gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. The overnight low will be near 35, with a 20% chance of rain after 11 p.m. Saturday is expected to be partly sunny and breezy, 
with a high near 59 and a 40% chance of rain, mainly after 11 a.m. The overnight low will be near 28, with a slight chance of rain, mixing with snow after 10 p.m. and then gradually ending. Sunday is expected to be mostly sunny, with a high near 50, and a slight chance of snow between 11 a.m. and noon, then a slight chance of rain after noon. The overnight low will be near 26. Monday is expected to be mostly sunny, with a high near 52. The overnight low will be near 29. CSU Economists. Liquor stores may have to adapt to compete with wine, beer-selling grocers. By Lucas High of BizWest and Prairie Mountain Media. Last week, Colorado grocery and convenience stores began selling wine, opening up a large new channel of competition for the state's liquor stores. While this new competition is likely to take a bite out of liquor stores' customer bases, a shift in strategy in favor of a greater focus on spirits, craft beer and wine, and local and specialty offerings could keep retailers in the game, a new study from economics professors at the Colorado State University posits. The study from Nathan Pilardi and Marco Costanegro found that since 2019, when Colorado grocers began selling beer, visitations at liquor stores have decreased by about 5%. It's not that much, they can absorb it, Costanegro said of liquor store operators. However, that decrease in visitation could double to around 10% with the introduction of wine in grocery stores according to the CSU study, which used Oklahoma, a state that allowed both beer and wine sales by grocers in 2018, as a model for comparison. The policy changes in states such as Colorado and Oklahoma are part of a national trend towards liberalizing alcohol distribution and allowing sales in new market channels, the study said. Trade associations, on behalf of liquor stores, claim that alcohol liberalization will result in the mass transfer of alcohol sales to grocery and convenience stores to the detriment of many small businesses. Policymakers are also concerned that a mass transfer will lead to consolidation in the retail tier of alcohol markets, ultimately reducing competition and harming consumers. If Colorado liquor stores have a similar experience to their peers in Oklahoma, those concerns about competition contraction may prove valid. Once you're talking about a 10% decrease in visits, some stores are going to start to hurt, Costa Negro said. Regardless of the scope of the visitation decline ultimately experienced by non-grocery sellers, the introduction of new, often corporate-backed competition won't be good for liquor stores, we can say that for sure, said Bruce Deerking, general manager of Hazel's Beverage World in Boulder, told Biz West. Only a few days after the law granting grocery stores the ability to sell wine, there's not enough data to draw any inferences or anything, he said. It's a little bit more of a guessing game of what the impacts might be, especially because a lot of grocery chains haven't fully rolled out their wine aisles, displays, and products. A lot of them have a few case stacks here and there, but it's still pretty haphazard. Deer King said that his best guess for smaller liquor stores that are directly adjacent to grocery stores is that if those grocery stores really lean into wine, they'll put people out of business within a couple of years. 
a pivot in strategy, could provide some hope for liquor stores because grocery stores don't carry the same variety of beer and wine as liquor sellers, nor do they sell spirits such as whiskey and vodka. Whether or not you were able to enter into the grocery store channel largely depended on your size and your scope of operations, Costa Negra said. So while grocery stores certainly carry some craft brews, their shoppers are much more likely to be looking to grab a sixer of Coors Light than a growler of their favorite hometown nano brewery's latest seasonal offering. Chain grocery stores don't really do craft, and they don't really do local, Deer King said. And if they do, it's really just a minor nod to it rather than leaning into it. Additionally, spirits become a lot more important for liquor stores, he said. Spirits have been growing in popularity, as have ready-to-drink cocktails. I think there'll be a lot of stores that really lean into that and try to build their businesses around that. The CSU study found that liquor stores often carry a wide assortment of all alcohol types and provide knowledgeable staff that can help consumers make a selection. Consumers, therefore, may or may not change market channels depending on preferences and the purpose of the shopping trip. Only time will tell whether liberalization of beer and wine sales will result in the crowding out of local liquor sellers, according to the CSU economists. It is conceivable that some liquor stores could start closing, Costa Negro said, but at the same time, some liquor stores could start specializing more in craft products as a strategy. For now, researchers can conclude that partial alcohol liberalization has a substantial but not catastrophic effect on liquor stores. That isn't necessarily the opinion of many liquor sellers. People are expecting it to take a huge chunk out of their business, Deer King said. Some are doing proactive layoffs and trying to figure out how to cut expenses, dial back, and downsize in order to hopefully still be viable with a lot less revenue. There is one obituary published in today's Reporter Herald. On Tuesday, February 28, 2023, Carol Ann Nichols, loving wife and mother, passed away at age 72 in Fort Collins. A memorial service will be held Sunday, March 12th, at Unity Church, 2855 Folsom Street in Boulder, at 3 p.m. In lieu of flowers, a donation can be made to Attitudinal Healing International. Please visit Carol's tribute page at goesfuneralcare.com to read her full obituary and to share condolences with her family. Work continues on former Larimer County building in Loveland. Luxury development due to open this fall by Reporter Herald staff. Work continues on the redevelopment project at the former Larimer County office building at Cleveland Avenue and 6th Street in downtown Loveland. Construction is moving apace at the collection. The new luxury residential development in what was once the Loveland's public library before it was used as the county building for decades. The new 15-unit complex, which most recently served as office space for Larimer County employees, is due to open this fall, according to Hillary Den of Den Real Estate LLC, which is handling the construction. Weathering the building by completing an envelope on its exterior that includes sheathing and finishing, as well as adding plumbing to the roof, is expected to conclude in a matter of weeks 
after which time electrical work will begin. Of the 15 units in the complex, 13 are still available for reservation, according to a March community update on the project. In the Reporter Herald events calendar, genealogy assistance is available at the Loveland Public Library on Thursdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Getting stumped while working on your family history? Are you ready to enter the world of genealogical databases and have questions? Your local public library can help. Volunteers from the Larimer County, Colorado Genealogical Society will be available Thursdays weekly, 1 to 3 p.m., in the Local History and Genealogy Room at the Loveland Public Library, 300 North Adams Avenue, to assist you in your search, project, and questions. It's not available during library closures or possible inclement weather, so check before you go at 962-2401. Registration is not required. Please bring a flash drive for saving your information. Thank you for joining us for the Loveland Reporter Herald. My name is Janet Beatty. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.